0: Well, today we're in our second week of our sermon series on kindness. Each week we're looking at a story from the Bible and how we see kindness modeled in it. We're also reading together Bruce Reyes Chow's book, In Defense of Kindness. So if you're reading along with us, you'll want to read about four to five chapters a week to finish by the end of the month.
1: The short chapters. So last week we defined what kindness means and studied the story of Jesus with the woman accused of adultery. Today we'll be looking at another story of Jesus. This one's a little longer, so we'll be doing, you know, a bit of Bible study together. If you have a Bible with you, go ahead and take it out and open to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 5.
0: So what we're going to read in Mark today is something the scholars call a Markin sandwich. Mm. (laughs) A Markin sandwich is when the Gospel writer takes two stories about Jesus and kind of mashes them up together to help us make a connection. So he starts one story we'll see in our passage today, and then he takes a side path to tell another story, and then comes back to our first story to tell us how it concludes. So today's stories are about two women, a woman and a girl, who both need Jesus to heal them. So let's take a look at the Gospel of Mark, chapter 5. All
1: right, so in verse 21 it says, When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him, and he was by the sea. Then one of the leaders of the synagogue named Jairus came, and when he saw him, fell at his feet and begged him repeatedly, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. So he went with him. All right, so what have we learned so far? Uh, Jesus is already surrounded by a lot of people, as usual. No doubt they all want something from him. But one important religious leader named Jairus manages to get through the crowd and starts to beg for Jesus' help. His daughter is dying. He knows Jesus can help him, but they have to move fast. Wherever Jesus had thought he was going, his plans immediately change, and he goes with Jairus.
0: So a large crowd followed him and pressed in on him. Verse 25 says, Now there is a woman who had been suffering with hemorrhages for 12 years. She had endured much under many physicians and had spent all that she had, and she was no better, but rather grew worse. So this crowd is still pressing in on Jesus as he follows Jairus to save his daughter. In the middle of all of this chaos, there's one woman. She's been bleeding for 12 years. She's been sick for over a decade. And in her culture, this bleeding meant that she had also been unclean for that entire time. Untouchable, an outcast. And she had spent every dime that she had trying to be healed. And nothing had worked.
1: Mark goes on, verse 27. She, this woman, had heard about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. For she said, if I but touch his clothes, I will be made well. So this woman was unclean by their religious purity laws, so so no one could touch her. And now she has touched Jesus. So far, we've met two people desperate for hope. Both Jairus and the hemorrhaging woman would do anything, try anything. The good news is their confidence in Jesus is well placed. Let's keep reading
0: All right, verse 29, immediately her hemorrhage stopped and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Immediately aware that the power had gone out from him, Jesus turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? His disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing in on you. How can you say who touched me? Jesus immediately knows what has happened in this part of our story. The disciples, well, they think he's being ridiculous. He's surrounded by people pressing in on him from every side, and he wants to know who touched him.
1: Verse 32. He looked all around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, fell down before him and told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith, Has made you well go in peace and be healed of your disease so this woman was terrified she's unclean and she touched Jesus and she knew it but Jesus doesn't scold her in fact he applauds her faith he calls her daughter
0: verse 35 while he was still speaking some people came from the leader's house to say your daughter is dead why trouble the teacher any further So by the time Jesus has had this conversation with the woman, he had run out of time for Jairus' daughter. And Jairus' friends, they don't mince any words. Forget it, Jesus, you're too late. She's gone. If only Jesus hadn't stopped to talk to the woman. If only he had moved faster.
1: Mark says, but overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the leader of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. He allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the house of the leader of the synagogue, he saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. When he had entered, he said to them, why do you make a commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. Then he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him, and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha Kum, which means little girl, get up. And immediately the girl got up and began to walk about, she was 12 years of age. At this they were overcome with amazement. He strictly ordered them that no one should know this, and told them to give her something to eat. So in the second healing in our Marken sandwich, the young girl is once again alive. Jesus has done two miracles for two people who seemed lost.
0: Okay, so as we think about these two stories, there are a lot of things that seem somewhat strange to us in our modern sensibilities. We could talk about healing and how we interpret that as Christians today. There are the cleanliness laws that are so critical in this story that seem so foreign to us. But perhaps the one thing that Jesus does that is strangest to us right now is this. He isn't in a rush. He isn't in a rush.
1: Yeah, when the story starts out, it's clear that Jesus is in high demand. You know, crowds are pushing in on him from every side, following him from place to place. And then Jairus asks for his help. Jairus would have been extremely important as a religious leader. The thing that Jairus asks for is urgent. You know, so Jesus must move
0: fast. But as Jesus moves towards Jairus's home, the bleeding woman has silently and gently reached out and touched the edge of his cloak. And Jesus stops. He sees the woman and he talks to her. It's as if this whole scene around Jairus' daughter is put on pause and we see Jesus lock eyes with this woman in this huge crowd. And then he calls the woman daughter. Even when he's being pulled in every possible direction, Jesus slows down.
1: Yeah. You know, during the pandemic, we learned a lot about slowing down. (laughs) Yes. You know, for many of us, life came grinding to a halt. And now as you look toward what we hope is a light at the end of the tunnel, the pace is picking back up again.
0: That's right. For many of you, your schedules are becoming really full with appointments and friends and family, places to be, things to do. And after last year, with all we all went through together, this increase in activity, it can feel like a breath of fresh air. It feels like we're returning to normal, at least in some sense.
1: But we also know that there are things we learned over this past year that we want to take with us. As life gets back to normal for you, what if you weren't in a rush?
0: That's right. So what if you weren't in a rush to get from one place to the next?
1: What if you weren't doing several things all at once?
0: Watching TV and on your phone and you have your computer. What if you weren't rushing through a to-do list and trying to get from one thing to the next on your calendar that's just, it's just way too full. That full there's too much on it.
1: And you know, for our conversation today, why does it matter?
0: Yeah, why does it matter if you're busy?
1: Because what if our rushing is the one thing that is keeping you from being kind.
0: So thinking back to our story one more time, Jesus had every reason to be in a rush, but he wasn't. So when the woman touched the edge of his cloak, he didn't hesitate to stop and to talk to her. He was kind to her. One of the biggest obstacles to kindness can be when we just won't slow down to see the person who's right in front of us.
1: You know, Bruce reyes Chow writes this in his book. Uh, He writes, Kindness in our everyday lives does not just happen. It requires a deep commitment and practiced discipline of acting against so many of our natural reactions. Every moment of every day, we have to choose if we will see the dignity of all people as we encounter them. This is especially true when it comes to the routine, everyday, monotonous acts of our lives. While grand gestures are great, especially one in reaction to events of urgency and tragedy, I fear we use grand public gestures in order to shirk our responsibilities to the subtle, unknown things of life.
0: That's a great quote because sometimes kindness is those big grand gestures that he mentions. But more often than not, it's the small things we do every day with the people right in front of us. So it's how you treat the person next to you in traffic, the way you talk to your kids or your spouse, how you engage other shoppers in the checkout line at the store or the receptionist at your doctor's office, the way you treat your coworkers.
1: You know, while you're in a rush, kindness in all of these interactions will be the first thing to go you know that this is true too you'll cut someone off in traffic because you're hurrying to get to your next appointment you'll be short with your kids while they're dragging their feet i mean maybe they have it coming you'll ignore the person in line next to you at the store and check emails on your phone you'll gripe at the receptionist when the doctor runs late You'll see your coworkers only for what they produce by year end.
0: But when you slow down, you see people. So you see your kids, your spouse, your coworkers, even strangers who are in traffic or in line at the grocery store as people. You remember that they have challenges that they are facing just like you do. You feel compassion for them, you become curious about their needs. You see them the way Jesus saw the woman in the crowd. You slow down, and then you can be kind.
1: So that's what we want to ask you to do today. In your everyday life, slow down. See people. Be kind. Amen.